going to talk about the fact that the righteous are fully persuaded the righteous are fully persuaded and um, it's um, good to understand that God has provided everything for us to be successful in this life so there really theoretically should be no struggle for us as believers grace is provided if we'll believe God ability is provided righteousness is provided everything's provided for us but our our challenge is really to get understanding to know how to put this all together in our lives <clears throat> to make it meaningful and to cause our lives to be what God has created them to be and so I was reading a little bit ago in the book of Romans about Abraham and I thought about what I said my goodness he didn't even have the kind of covenant we have you know you think about that and you think boy that makes you shrink back but then too you you have to understand that God provided a way for them uh, before the law during the law and after the law to understand him and to be able to believe God and get our needs met and complete the assignment that God has given us all to do and so when you think about that God makes full provision for everything that he plans we have to understand from the beginning that we are planned by God we're not here trying to include God in what we want to do we want to find his will for us so that we can complete the plan of God that is so much better than living a one dimensional aspect of God's character you know we just know him as one one thing and that's all and and then we have to fend for ourselves in other areas that's really not true and so being fully persuaded I think entails uh, much more of understanding God's character having relationship with him you get persuaded by people through interaction you can't be persuaded without interacting with God and uh, interacting through the word understanding him through the word through worship that's an active and uh, a living way of connecting with God is through worship and praise Uh, it brings God on the scene but the other aspect is we want to keep him on the scene we don't want to just leave God in the worship and just run off and do what we want to do that really entails total trust in God total surrender to him and uh, you know the Lord has been speaking to me about the conference theme recently and and uh, telling me some things that he's going to do for us but the bride has to make herself ready and part of the readiness is a total surrender which I think we think we know what that is but I think he has more given us more under he's going to give us more understanding of what that means for us and and we'll understand what it means personally uh, so that if we are to be completed and outfitted for the work the end time work everybody says they're looking for that the end time move of God we're uh, you know a second a former and a latter rain together bigger than Azusa Street you know revival re, you know all these things uh, still there's a power that must be carried and there's a preparation that must be done and really it's not so much what we do but what we allow him to do being fully persuaded means we allow him to do the persuading 
we seek him and then when we find him we allow him to do what he needs to do to get us positioned so that we can receive what he has for us so that's a total trust thing and see we'd rather struggle and labor sometimes than to let everything go and give a total trust to God because once you do that you know once you let go of the pieces they're gone and you don't know how to pick them up again so we figure as long as we hold on to the pieces you know we gotta we gotta stake it I don't have to trust nobody. I got. To, I hid this. I hid this from God. You know. I saw this goodly Babylonish garment, and I hid it. And, you know what I'm saying? How we do, folks? How we do? That ain't too far from from what we all do from time to time. So, so what does it mean to be fully persuaded? I'm in Romans chapter four. Maybe I'll read some of that for you. Romans chapter four, starting in verse twenty. We'll start nineteen. Being not weak in faith, we're talking about Abraham, and we know that he went on to obtain the promise of God. He did not just have a son at an old age, but he obtained the promise of God, and that's a bigger something. And he says, uh, being not weak in faith, he considered not. So people who are weak in faith consider some things, and when you're not weak in faith, you don't consider them. So you don't consider your own body he says now dead when it was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb so you know those of us who are are complaining I always complain about my FX my special effects when I get up (laughs) I'm going to stop okay because (laughs) Abraham didn't say he was a hundred and he didn't consider so I can't have any more special effects when I get up and sit down and so he says he didn't consider his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief so it didn't cause him to stagger means to back up from your former position anytime you consider something and it causes you to back up from your former position of faith you're staggering and so what you need to do when you stagger this is my feeling you need to confess those things to God God I'm not really quite there don't hide it and go gobble up a little word and confess it to him like you really are not staggering you know it's like uh, uh, people on cops you know they drag them out of the car and make them do the sobriety test and they want to do it give me a do-over well the do-over is worse than the first one you know you indict yourself more with your do-overs so you don't need to ask God for a do-over to prove to him that you believe him you need to confess I'm drunk and you know what I'm saying and and, you know disorderly out of out of sorts I'm not what I'm supposed to be here and help my unbelief be honest this is the first time I think Christians are really going to be called on to be brutally honest before God you know receiving empowerment 
to change nations and change lives. You can't have anything standing between you and God. You can't have any secrets. You can't have any uh, little things. You've got to be fully persuaded. And if you're not fully persuaded, guess who knows it first? God knows it first. We always think we're fooling him and we know it second. But then we know from our fruit and from our our questions and and our confusion that we're not fully persuaded he says he being fully persuaded he staggered not at the the promise of God through unbelief so he's not backing up from going forward and trusting God so you can't stagger when God gives you something to do you can't stagger you know the time for saying you know or just say God I don't feel adequate I don't feel like this is for me I don't feel like uh, anybody loves me enough to do this for me I don't feel like anybody uh, will come and support my ministry I don't feel like who am I they don't know me this you know just be honest before God hold your position though don't stagger and back up but allow God to persuade you fully it's his job to persuade you it's not your job to persuade yourself you can't quote enough scripture to yourself to persuade yourself because you don't know what's hindering your receiving your persuasion and so he says here he staggered not at at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith in other words steady your knees you know instead of letting them drop from the weight of your unbelief steady your knees and let God help you to shoulder that and he says he was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform therefore it was imputed in his righteousness so righteousness came after he was fully persuaded get that because what we think righteousness is we're we're partially not right we think faith is righteousness but really righteousness is being fully persuaded that's the kind of faith that's the Abraham kind of faith it's not this believe God sometimes and when trouble comes we quit believing and go our natural way and and never step into the righteousness righteousness means that what you desire comes to you unhindered exactly the way God promised it to you and it takes full persuasion to get to that point where you put that on where God can bring what he needs into your life just the way he told you he was going to do it that's what he wants to do with us now is get us fully persuaded get the roadblocks out of the way get us out of the way get our doubts out of the way get our fix ups of our doubts out of the way because most of us are fixing it up myself included we we kind of get something we kind of get a part of it we kind of get this but you got to let God persuade you fully he's the persuader you're not and when there's something that's there that's a a, a lump or a rock in your situation he's got to bust that up and move that for you it comes through your honesty before him your confession it's like Abraham when God promised him your your kids going to be like the stars the sun and the moon Abraham it was was persuaded and God counted as his righteousness that's one level of it and next comes a roadblock and he has to be persuaded again 
That's the way our lives are. You get to a place where your faith doesn't take you any further. You're at a roadblock and God has to come back with more to persuade you again. So he put that up there. He said your kids are going to be like the sand of the seas and the stars of the sky. And then one day Abraham's been walking with God for about five or ten years. And he said how will I know this? (laughs) What happened back over there when it was accounted to you as righteousness? Well it was because he believed what God told him as far as he could. You believe as far as you can believe and when you can't believe anymore you go back to God so he can fully persuade you that what he had promised. took him about 20 years to fully persuade Abraham about that son. The years were not spent with Abraham dawdling around and goofing up. The years were spent in Abraham following God as best he could and then coming back and being brutally honest with God that he had gotten to a place where he wasn't sure. And we have to be brutally honest with God when we get to a place where we're not sure. Then it's God's responsibility to persuade us. It's not our response. You don't go and get a formula now. This is what everybody does. They go get a formula. They look at what everybody else is doing and they say I need to add that to my list. I was speaking with somebody. They want their mother healed. The mother wants to be healed. And they asked me if I could go over and pray for the mother. Well I know that's not scriptural. If mother wants prayer she'll have to call for the elders of the church herself and initiate that with her faith. So I told her, I said, yeah, I'll try and do it. I'm not against it. I didn't want to have to go through a long harangue trying to, you know, you offend more people giving them the truth than it's worth sometimes. So I told her I would pray about it. And, and if I had time while I'm up here in Detroit, and, and, and I'm, I'm thankful God allowed that time to expire, she got back in touch with me. And I told her, I said, you know what, I really believe your mom needs to, since she can't get to church regularly, you can't get over to bring her. We have healing schools worth I said I believe God still has a way for her to be healed and that's through meditating on the word so I'll call her and I'll talk to her and see if I can get her to get convinced but this is what people do they go down the list of how God heals people and they say oh we didn't try this yet well that's not God but that's what most people do when they're looking for an answer from God and it's not all the way wrong it may get you at least thinking about that there's a possibility that something else is possible to get this person healed you understand what I'm saying it gets you thinking possibilities but far be it from us to get God's word and pull it out in front of him and tell him this is something we need to do to get him to move I mean it's like including God in a conversation but you don't want to hear from him you're talking about him instead of talking to him you're trying to extract what you need from him without relationship with him without speaking to him without talking to him without getting his understanding without his counsel without his sometimes all you need to do is talk to him and you feel better and you're not as alarmed about what hasn't happened yet do you understand what I'm saying God knows how to minister to us and if we'll let him be in charge of the ministry we will get somewhere and I'm talking about ministering to you as an earthen vessel we need a lot of help we're just made of clay 
David said that. You know, there's the scriptures we kind of skip over. Uh, you know, the Lord knows we're just dust. You know, we're living in the days where we know we're just dust. We see so many people that we've admired fail because we're just dust. God's telling us every day we're dust. And we need him to manage our vessels. We need him to manage our lives. We need him. You can't make up your mind what you want God to do and what you don't want him to do with you. The days of being anointed or effective and carrying that around are over. Telling you. It's up to God to fully persuade us. And it's up to you to confess when you're not persuaded. He can't persuade you if you're not in agreement and on one accord with him. And he says he was fully persuaded that what he had promised he is able to form. Therefore it was counted to him as righteousness. So there comes a day when you have to have all doubt gone. You have to have all uh, hesitation removed. You have to be fully persuaded. What does that word mean? What do you, What do we mean when we say that? It, to, to be persuaded means to carry out fully in evidence. To carry out fully in evidence. So really your persuasion is an act. Again, faith is an action. So you are to carry out it carry it out fully in evidence. Somebody has to be able to track down your movements or track down your activities. God has to be able to track you and see that you're doing what people who are fully persuaded excuse me are supposed to do. Fully persuasion is not just talking. Sometimes that's all you can do is to try and hang on to your confession. But full persuasion sometimes is you releasing things to God's care. Not doing the things that you normally do to try to get him to do something. The old ways don't work anymore. Remember Isaac? He was the son he gave him. He's talking about when Isaac first came here. But after a while he had to let Isaac go. He said man I already let one kid go. This is the one I let him go for. You got to kill him too. You see what I'm saying? Trust. Fully trust. Got to have full trust. There's something God needs to see out of all of us. And that's full trust. To be fully persuaded. So it means to carry out fully in evidence. To entirely accomplish. No doubts. No fears. No reluctance. No hesitation. No Falling back in the old patterns. No grabbing your formulas. Entirely accomplish. To be completely assured. Completely. Not assured if or assured when. But completely assured. To most surely believe. To fully know. And to make full proof of. The word for for fully persuaded or the yeah fully persuaded is a combination word. The word persuaded, the fully part of it is self-explanatory. The persuaded really means to wear constantly. 
So you you wear this truth about God constantly. You wear this awareness of him constantly. You never let go of it. You never let the devil talk you out of it. You never let your own conscience talk you out of it. You wear it all the time. You don't put it off and put it on. But this truth about God you hold to constantly. Fully persuaded. And then it's counted to you as righteousness. Got me? You got to be per- persuaded, fully persuaded at every turn. Everything God promises you, you got to be fully persuaded of if you want to obtain it. If He's talking about your finances, you got to be fully persuaded in your finances that you must trust God with them. And then you will be able to receive what he has for you. You must be fully persuaded. You can't hold back. You can't uh, uh, release or not release or doubt if you should release. I don't care how tight it gets. You've got to totally abandon yourself. Because for many of us, poverty is still the thing that hinders us. See? It's still there's a glitch there somewhere. And trust me, if you're going to go and work for God, you've got to have the money thing settled. You've got to preach whether the money comes. You've got to serve him whether the money comes. You've got to be joyful whether the money comes. I'm telling you, that's a biggie with people. Finance, that's why John wanted, wanted people to prosper and be in health as their souls prospered. He said, get that fear out of the way. Get that concern out of the way so you can go forward and serve God unhindered. And that was that was why that prayer was there. Not so we can have Rolls Royces and stuff. It's so that we could have that burden of this natural life removed from us. And seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What it is to mean to be fully persuaded of his goodness. To be fully fully persuaded of his love for you. All that stuff. It, what it, He wanted us to live as free people. Free from the bondages that come with this world. Living in this world. There's bondage there. And it's easy to get entangled with the yoke of bondage again. All the devil has to do is start moving your furniture around and you upset. I used to have that right there so I could put my foot up on it in one move. Now it takes two. I'm upset. You understand what I'm saying? You know, all you got to do is rearrange a little bit of stuff and we're ready to go to the mat. He says, therefore, when he was fully persuaded, get all our stuff out on the table. Get your stuff out there and show it to God. God, I would believe you, but this is here. I would believe you, but that's here. I would believe you, but get them all out there. Then it's his job to persuade you. He'll take you to the word. He'll he'll have somebody preach to you. He'll have somebody minister to you. He'll do whatever he needs to do. Let him do it. And let's get this out of the way so we can get the show on the road. Because we're all sitting in some kind of little holding pattern. I'm not talking about just us here. But the body of Christ worldwide. God's people. In a holding pattern. Waiting. Waiting to be released. Waiting to be this. Waiting to be that. Everybody is. Even people who have tens of thousands of people, they still want to do more. They're still looking for more. They're still setting their goals higher. We're all waiting to be released. So he says, therefore it is imputed to him for righteousness. Imputed, just given. Boom. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to sound righteous. You don't have to. Just boom. There it is. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. 
So this is the kicker. I mean this is so important. This is something we should know right off the bat. Because when you read the word you receive it. But he's telling us twice. Once because the Holy Spirit's already revealed that this is a truth to you. Twice because he's saying it again. Not for us but for us also. And not just for Abraham. This is not just for him. He wasn't special. He's the father of our faith because God called him to be that. And God worked with him but the same way he worked with Abraham he'll work with you. There wasn't anything special about the way he dealt with this man. He dealt with him as a man who was called by God and was being used by God. And God was trusting him and he was trusting God. That's what this is about. It's about anybody who will put their trust in the Lord. He said but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead believe on him put our faith totally over into him not just believe in him for salvation believe in him for our list of things we think we want but believe him period who was delivered up for our offenses and raised again for our justification so the work's been done if you believe the work's been done if you believe that you can trust that there's nothing left for you to accomplish but to allow God to fully persuade you get yourself out the way put yourself on the altar crucify all these crazy things that you think about and just say God you know what I'm not really persuaded can you persuade me God I, I thought I, I you, you know you got me this job and now it's not what I thought it was going to be you know uh, I want to be fully persuaded about your provision for me that I can have success here that I can have a future here all these things these things have to be brought up to him he loves you suppose you had kids that didn't want to talk to you when they were in trouble you'd be highly offended Knowing you have the resources to help them. If you don't have bail money, you got counsel, you got a mouth, you can pray. There's a lot a parent can do. And so you can't do this alone. There won't be any fruit that comes from it. There would just be a lot of frustration on our part. That we've been trying, 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 trying. We've been doing, 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 doing that's when the question comes up in your mind how long God I'm tired God yeah you're tired because you're not letting him persuade you he's sitting back waiting to give you exactly what you need but if we don't go to him and open the door of inquiry faith inquiry (laughs) questioning inquiry you know as much as little faith as we can muster if we don't open that door it will never happen it will never happen he can't pry it open. We've got to. This is something we have to do. Abraham kept going back to God. Kept going back to him with the right questions. Honest questions. <laughs> he got the right. All he went to him was with honesty. He said God I know you're telling me this. And I was believing you. But how will I know? We want assurance. See that's the fully persuaded see that's laying it all out there and and wearing that continually 
See we're walking around without our righteousness. Without our right feeling before God. Without our right contact with God. We're not sure why is it taking so long. What's, what am I doing wrong? That's the other question we don't want answered. But we ask it anyway. How did I get here? That's another one. Let's see you're not fully persuaded. And you will never persuade yourself. You've got to trust him to persuade you. In the meantime, we pick up all kind of goofy answers we think are right. Don't we? We search through the darkened corridors of our creaky brains. I used to know all that stuff. (laughs) As Poirot would say, the little gray cells. (laughs) Disintegrating one by one. Uh, your mind won't be able to fathom what God's going to do for you to persuade you. You know, sometimes he just does you a favor and takes stuff away. <laughs> that you're so used to having control over. He says, give me that toy. No. Give me that. No. Huh? That's what our stuff becomes sometimes. Just toys things to play around with he wants to give us real stuff take your toy away and give you something real if you're 25 years old and you're still playing push cars on the rug he he has keys to a a ferrari or something out there you understand what i'm saying just get it let him have a toy we're too big for toys some of us that's what he wants us to know you can handle the big things well think about abraham huh Took his toy Ishmael away from him. Hello? It wasn't a real thing. There was hell in that household. Huh? The maid tearing up everything. Sarah don't like her and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it wasn't nothing but a toy. It was a figment of his imagination that this was God's best for him. See, if we really let ourselves get stripped down and really let go of everything, it would shock us what we've been tolerating and perpetrating in our lives that is not even close to tenth best of what God has for us. He wants the best for us. But we have to trust him all the way. If you don't, you'll never get the best if you don't trust 100%. If we keep trying to persuade ourselves and pep talk ourselves and, and uh, you know, all this rah-rah stuff that we do. <laughs> rah-rah ain't going to get it. Huh? It's not getting it and we know it. It leaves you dry and empty anyway. So why not let's just, you know, uh, strip down and let God, you know, take the parts that are not comely for us. Been hiding from him all the time. Hmm? I was watching uh, uh, my 600 pound life. Not that I'm inspired to go there, but... You know what I'm saying? You get curious about it. I say, you know, I said, now I can see getting a two. Some people get to three. Four is a stretch. Five is even stretchier, but six. I got to see this. And the the woman that 
this woman was successful in her weight loss program. You know, it took a lot of surgery, a lot of re-educating herself and trauma, you know, with loved ones and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a lot to go through. And But she got victory over it. And she works now for the, the clinic and the doctor that performed the surgery. So she helps him. She's a counselor. So she helps him with other people that come in for the weight loss thing. And so part of her recovery is to come clean about her bad eating habits. Because everybody denies that they eat too much or whatever, whatever. You know, it's obvious something quite the way you say it is but she's part of her recovery was the brutal honesty about it and she said you know people thought I was knitting and I was I was doing some knitting and some crochet she has this huge crochet basket full of yarn at the top but there was it was packed full of candy bars about a foot deep and she said while nobody watched I just ate candy bars all day long or Twinkies or something like that well see God has to come and get take your Twinkies if you're going to get where he wants you to go and be fully, fully persuaded you got to let the Twinkies out the bottom of the basket you can't have those anymore you can't have filler where he wants to give you substance and see many times we live off these fillers that we sneak behind God's back I'm working for God. I'm doing all this for God. I'm busy for God. I love God. And we fill up on fillers that aren't good for us. And we think we've got faith. But we think we're moving in faith. And we're actually moving in some fluff that doesn't satisfy. You know, we're, we're good at picking up doctrines that belong other places. Because there's so much information available. Just because the information's out there doesn't mean it's for you. And so we fill up on that kind of stuff. Stuff that tickles our ears and we like it because it's the next wave that everybody's rolling on. But all it does is, is prolong your inevitable <laughs> crash. Because <laughs> you go crash. Because you're not allowing God to feed you. You're not allowing God's provision. You're not allowing God's information. You're not allowing God's persuasion. The hunger is legitimate. It's the way we get it fed that's the problem. It's like people, you know, when they're on these weight loss things, they eat three meals a day, but they eat the right things. They eat prescribed things. They eat things that will persuade their bodies that they're not craving anything anymore. And they'll be persuaded that they can do this they'll be persuaded that they can stay with the program and that's all we need from God is to drop all the fluff drop all the nonsense drop all the things that that don't edify that we keep clinging to because we don't want to admit we're wrong about the way we do things spiritually let's just let it all go and let God be the persuader let him be the one that comes in and tells us these things wait uh, patiently at his feet allow him to be the one who provides everything just get in his presence and wait there let him provide let him uh, position yourself so that you can hear no, let yourself get in a, a state of anticipating hearing from God and not just always grabbing for the first thing that you think is an answer. You know, don't be so quick to want to inform everybody else that you've got the answer. 
You know what I'm saying? We run off telling people stuff. We're half-baked. They know we're half-baked because it doesn't feel us and it doesn't feel them. But we figure we can get some more people involved in it. Then it's true. It's not true. It's not going to feed anybody. It's barely keeping you alive. So let's just get brutally honest before God. You know what I'm saying? Some, most of us are in a good place to really hear from him. Because there's always this longing need out there for something else. There's something that's just right on the horizon. We can't put our finger on it. And so that's your need for him. That's a signal that you need to come more into his presence and, and just strip everything down. Hide, quit the pretense. Quit the trying to get your own answer. Because we don't like the anxiety of waiting. You know, we don't know how to wait patiently sometimes. Well, I can be patient, but I need this by so-and-so, God. Come on now. That's our idea of patience. It lasted like three seconds. It's the three-second patience. Huh? Know what I mean. See, because we're used, so used to providing our own answers within that amount of time. So we don't know how to just let it go and not touch anything. And I'm fine. You know, you haven't blinked in about ten minutes. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> so that's what we want to, to do. Fully persuaded. So we know that's God's job to do that. You know, you won't be righteous until you're fully. If you got doubt and unbelief, you know that's not faith, don't you? This has got to be dealt with. So let's not play this game. You know, and, and want to argue doctrine. What somebody told you on television was righteousness. You you can't do that. There has to be something go off on the inside of you when you know it's right. You can't take somebody's word for you know, putting some scriptures together to tell you that's right. It don't add up in real life. You got to do what adds up in real life, folks. You can't do, you know, maybe it adds up for them. I don't know. But come on now. If it don't add up to you and you're not getting the benefit of what you say you believe and it's not the fruit you want in your life, let's cut it out. Let's get to the real thing. This is our chance to get to the real thing. And not the nonsense. So you've got to be fully persuaded that what God's promised you he's able to perform. Fully, fully persuaded is not a parrot. Just re, you know, repeating scripture. It's not the parrot thing. He said but once he allowed God to fully persuade him. Then it was accounted to him as it was imputed to him it was put on him to impute something means to put it on you it means to wear it so he was fully persuaded he wore this faith in God constantly anytime you ran into him uh -uh, it wasn't wavering he wasn't taking this off because it was placed on him by God and he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform I mean you got to let him do it we can't do it I can't do it you can't you can't do it Mr. Gary can you we keep working at it we can't get it right telling you buddy we can let him do it like the bible says be still and know that i'm god quit doing what you're doing 
Quit trying to figure everything. Quit, you know, in the imagination of your imagination. Trying to figure it out. Quit doing it. So he promised, he says, what he was, he had promised he was able to perform. A promise can only be anticipated if the one that has to perform it is capable of doing it. Now we all know God's able, don't we? But we still have doubt. So what's the problem? The problem is we keep putting other things in between his ability. Hmm? We put other things, those things we add. God doesn't put those in there. Only thing he had to know is God able to do this. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. What has God promised us? His blanket promises. He'll, he'll empower us to pray for the sick. He'll empower us to, to pray for the lost. He'll empower us to do those are ministry side things. On a personal side what does he promise? To give you the desires of your heart. What do you want out of life? What do you expect out of life? You expect happiness. You say okay what's going to make me happy? Huh? A good marriage, a good family, a good job, all the things that make people happy, those are the things he's promised and we all we have to do is believe he's able. Do we he's believe, believe he's able? Yes, we do. Then what's the problem? <laughs> what's the problem? The problem is your mind will throw other things in there besides ability. Which will make it more, these things have more weight than what's really important and that's, is he able? That question gets answered pretty quick. If he's able and I'm righteous and I want it, what's wrong? You're not fully persuaded. Because there's something in there that's making itself just as important as his ability to do it. Is he able? This has to be settled. The abilities that we talk about are in God. What you really want to know is can he do, is he able to do what you cannot do? Sometimes we put a miracle on such a high pedestal that it seems almost uh, unbelievable that God can do it. Hey. When Jesus talked about God's ability all the time. Things that are impossible with man are possible with God. You just have to believe God for it. Believe and not doubt. You can say to that thing whatever you want to say. If you believe and not doubt you can have what you say. The ability of God is all over the Bible. He spoke and things came into existence. They came from the unknown realm into the seen realm. Or the unseen realm into the seen realm. So God is totally capable. Everything that God conceives of is pre-existent in him. So he's not talking about something he wishes were there. It's really there. That's why faith has substance to it. It's really there. He's describing things that are really there with him in him that he wants to bring out of him and give to you. And so when faith has substance it's not a hollow promise. 
You know, it's not like somebody's promising you, yeah, baby, one day we'll do this. Nope. I ain't your, yeah, baby, one day, girl. I'm, I'm with God. You got me? Whatever God has for me, that's what I want. So you want the substance of faith in everything that you put your faith in. So the question of God's ability has to be settled once and for all. You know what? I think we can help ourselves a lot if we reflect a lot on his ability. And let me tell you why. What did he tell Abraham to do? He said look up at the stars in the sky. That's my ability and I'll do that for you. Those will be your children if you keep looking at that. That reflects on his ability. See if we just reflect on his ability all day long. That was Abraham's key. That's what got him over. That's what did it. So he staggered not at the promise because he was fully persuaded he was able. Why? Because that's all he thought about all day long. You imagine walking around. At at night he saw his children. In the morning when he got up and he walked on the desert he saw his kids. Reflecting on God's ability. And then you will consider not anything else. You'll consider not, Abraham, Abraham, you're you're 100 years old. I'm thinking about God's ability. I'm not thinking about that. You think that bugs me? You think that's a problem to me? No special effects when I stand up. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm focused on his ability. I'm not focused on. You know, when God shows it to you, it's so obvious it hurts your feelings. You never saw it before. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We're so we're so busy trying to get the deep things, we skip over the deep things. <laughs> but a continual focus on His ability. This is what I see. Is what gets you fully persuaded. You can't consider the deadness. Of your body. You can't consider how you feel about things. You can't consider every year that goes by. You get a little older and nothing's happened. You haven't seen it yet. All this kind of stuff. You can't focus on that. But a continual focus on his ability. Good grief. All I gotta look is do is look outside and look at that up there and look at <laughs> talk about meditating on the word. <laughs> As Chuck would say, smoking on the word. Haven't you heard? It's the bomb. Come and get some. But we reflect on his ability. Continual reflection on his ability. Takes you out of your inability. Takes you out of your weakness. Takes you out of your... I'm disqualifying myself because of so and so. Takes you out of that. His greatness. So this question of his ability has to be settled in you. How do you reflect on his ability? He can do. You have to, you have to answer for yourself once and for all. Can he do what I cannot do? Can he do? Not will he do. Can he do? Can he do it? 
oftentimes this comes with experience in, in the spirit of prophecy for us testimonies will convince us of his ability that's one way to be convinced so but it's up to you how to get yourself out of your limited ability and now start putting your faith over in his continual ability is he able is he able the enemy's going to sneak something in there eventually of yeah he's able but why hasn't he done it already and why won't he do it for you and will he do it for you that's going to creep in there that's when you talk to God about getting fully persuaded God this thing is creeping up now and it's bugging me I see now I'm not really fully persuaded about your see because it I keep I keep giving attention to it. I keep considering it. Whatever you consider that takes the place of his ability is something you need to be persuaded that that's not important. That that's not an issue. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't, you know, you know what I'm saying. Ignore it. Pretend it's not there. You can't play a mind game about this thing because it's probably something that's built into your soul that's going to keep popping up unless you let God have it and let him deal with it but you know I know God I should I should be more mature than this by now cut the crap just tell him you know what God this thing keeps coming up here and I need to find out from you how I'm going to deal with this because this is hindering and I know it's hindering my ability to be fully persuaded that what you have promised me I will get it and I will get it in my lifetime and I will get it before I'm too old (laughs) whatever he brought youth with Sarah, Sarah and Abraham in their old age so you know I mean come on now folks I mean we think it's hard to believe but some of us going to have to believe for stuff like that before the deal's over. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean seriously, if if you look at where you're going and you look at what it's going to take to get there, you'll see something's missing. So you're not really fully persuaded, but you can be if you consider him able. Considering his ability. testimonies of God's you know they talked about the children of Israel they were uh, instructed to rehearse God's acts in in their ears you know always hearing about the ability of God ability of God the ability of God ability of God they were not told to rehearse their failures in the times that they were had a time out because they didn't do what God they rehearsed the abilities of God and get yourself fully persuaded because God's about to do it again and if he's going to do it again we've got to be we've got to be persuaded about his ability nothing else matters our little weakness does not matter we think it's big but it's not it's already been fitted into the equation if God didn't have a way to take care of it he never would have promised you anything if you were bigger than he is he couldn't promise you anything anyway you'd be God reflecting on what he has done in the past to 
make it personal for you. To bring it up to date. He's still doing stuff like that. Look at what he did for for uh, you know so and so in the ministry or so and so that you know was that I read on on online somewhere. A great testimony. Some things that I've read that he's done. He's still in the doing business. He still has ability. He can change governments. He can change the hearts of those in government. He can change people in power. We got a, a testimony, a inadvertent testimony. You know, sometimes I get carried away with my prophetic, uh, prophetical stuff. <laughs> I was talking to somebody online on Facebook, and uh, this per- it's a new friend, and so they were sharing with me about wanting to do more in ministry and of course I get all excited about that because I think that's all there is gifts and callings and you know that you know when you're in that mood that's how you look at it but anyway I I, uh, told him about our prophetic people books and he was talking about wanting to be used more by God and of course we all think power this is where we get our great mistake all ministers think more power (laughs) You know, when we put another, we put another battery and another amp on it, let's blow it up, get to heaven, you know, fast as we can. Don't take no prisoners. Anybody get in the way, we blow them up too. So we go on to heaven, more power. And that's never the answer. And I know that from experience, it's never the answer, but I do it anyway. Because it's always more power. As though God can't do anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, if He shows up, the power's there, but you know, forget that. <laughs> so, but you know, anyhow, I, I, I had text Shannon or talked to her and I said, oh, you know, I want to send somebody, because <clears throat> I asked him, I said, you want electronic or, he said, hard copy, so that meant you know getting her so anyway I told her what to send him and uh, she said she just thought to put another book in there a couple more books so she put some you know we always put a little information about the ministry and so forth and so on one of the books she put in there was Lawyer Up which was an inadvertent (laughs) put in yeah, you're just blindly going through the bookstore and God puts your hand on something, you stick it in the envelope. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take a lot of thought. If you think about it too much, you'll screw it up. So, you know, it's one of these just touch and put in the thing. And so he he texted me or messaged me a couple weeks later and said, Could you call me? I have a great testimony to share. And I'm going, Oh boy, the flowers here. Let me blow up. <laughs> Blew up some people, got them healed, and they fell back and all their body parts came. So <laughs> I'm talking to him. He said, he said, you know that book you sent me, Lawyer Up? No, he said, the book you sent me. I said, which one? I said, volume one and volume two. Well, this one said Lawyer Up. <laughs> it's a book we didn't intend to send. It's a book God wanted him to get. He said, I was sitting there and I looked at it. He said, I took it with me because I was on the way to court with my boy. And he said, my boy had been in a lot of trouble. He got in trouble with some firearms and some, you know, they're Blackfeet tribe people. So I know one thing from family experience, red skin, firearms, and fire water don't mix. You know what I mean? You got, boom! That's, that's where the real explosion is. Boom! Not so much power. 
so you know I say that in love and no prejudice because that's it's it's kind of documented that alcoholism runs very strong in those people and not because I don't think it's genetic I think it's a lot of it's circumstantial you know but firearms and fire water don't mix for a lot of people but anyway I thought about that and I said oh boy I said that's kind of the devil's curse there you know and he said uh, I said that in my mind and he said you know I was reading that book lawyer up he said and I had an hour and a half to drive to get to the court he said so I read it you know somebody apparently was driving I read it all the way there he said and while I was in the waiting room I remembered I had read that I am redeemed from the curse of the law and he said Lord I believe I'm redeemed and he said I'm just asking you to give my boy a second chance so that he can do something with his life and I'm sorry that you know he's he's caused such problems and I, as a father I want to intercede for him and ask you to give him a second chance and he said his, he, they were talking the lawyers talked of course and the judges and all these people conferred the district attorney they're all putting their heads together and he said he said, I just sat in the courtroom and I just waited and he said the judge stood his son up and he said all of these charges he said I could put you away for 10 years he said I'll let part of them go he said but it still means three years for you to be in jail and he put the paper down and he looked at his son and he said but I'm going to give you a second chance second chance and so what that said to me was in that brief time of that that man getting that book that he's never seen before he don't know me from anybody just on Facebook he got fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had asked him to do just like he did it and he said and I brought my boy home with me that day he said and I was just in such shock he said I wanted to cry I wanted to laugh he said I know what to do he said but I saw redemption and how it works if you simply believe God will do these things for you he will do them so I say that to say fully persuaded doesn't take forever it doesn't I mean it's it's up to you how you want to believe God. You like drama and you like labor and things, you know what I'm saying? You can have that. You can have what you say and what you think. But if you need God and need him right away, you know how to put all of your chips in there. You know what I just push the pile right over to God and he knows how to deal with your life. And so he was fully persuaded. He had no other he had nobody else but God to trust. And he read some testimonies in there and he read the word in there. And just like that, turned it over to God and got his miracle and got his boy out of jail. It's wonderful. It's wonderful when you see that happen. So, what does God say? Is he able? Sure he is. The biggest problem for us oftentimes is other people. When other people stand between you and what you believe God has for you, problem, huh? We all are that way. Well, my boss won't, and my this, and we make people bigger than God. Hmm? What did he say in Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven? I am the God of all flesh; nothing is too hard for me. And he said that with respect to Israel, he was going to bring judgment on them for a season, but bring them out again he can imprison and he can release 
He doesn't care what Caesar says. He doesn't care what Nebuchadnezzar says. He doesn't care what any of them big guys say. He says, I'm the God of all flesh. That means I created everybody. They don't have any power other than what I let them have. If you can put the power in my hands, I can change anybody's heart, mind, anything I need to do to accommodate your life. And what I promised you. What did he tell Sarah in Genesis 18.14? He said, is anything too hard for God, Sarah? You know, answer the question. Is anything too hard for God? (laughs) She apparently thought not because she received, she had to play a part in that promise just like Abraham did. And so when you know the God of all flesh, he takes care of all flesh that's involved in your promise. And it coming to pass. He won't let anything stand in the way. Is he able? Yes. Because what we fear most is people. Huh? We do. We fear what they will say, what they will do. They hold the keys to certain things. They have, God is bigger than they are. You've got to see him as able to turn the hearts of men, any, even kings and people in authority, even dictators. The dictators of Russia when I was I was very I was a child when Khrushchev was was uh, with calling premier czar whatever Russia. <laughs> president whatever they call him in the power and he was a very angry threatening person but he died and the ones that came after him were less and less angry and threatening until we got to I think it was Gorbachev the one that Ronald Reagan confronted and told him to tear down this wall and he tore it down you understand me so God is the God of all flesh nothing too hard for him he can take move the the you know he he often lets people who are in the way die you understand what i'm saying they're on their way anyway it's a point that everybody wants to die but if they get too much in the way that gets hastened because of their iniquity and nothing to stop it no mercy to stop it what have you sown in the earth you've sown poverty among people you've sown ruin to their lives you sow nothing but bad to these people you got nothing stored up good that's coming back to you except i'd be merciful to you so many of them can get saved on their deathbed you know what i'm saying but as far as their usefulness for this earth the bible says who he that rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of the god you got to put yourself under god if you want to manage his people i don't care if you're saved or not saved and so god is the god of all flesh folks nothing's too hard for him nothing is too hard for him that's why he tells us to go easy on our enemies bless our enemies he'll take care of them you know we bless he takes care of and so is nothing is too hard for for him one of the other questions that will creep in on you is am i worthy is he able am i worthy you see that question over and over and over again when jesus would do miracles when he would heal people the question of worthiness would always come into play and this is a question that only righteousness will settle being fully persuaded in his ability again your worthiness versus his ability oh i see 
I'm not supposed to think like that. No, you're not. But when you understand that, when you put your faith over in him, in his full ability, he imputes righteousness to you and worthy's not an issue anymore. You got me? Worthy's not an issue anymore. Unworthiness always comes in with unconfessed sin. You know, if you see it in the prodigal, it's, it's real blaring in the story of the prodigal. Let me go to that and I'll show you because people don't really connect some of their feelings, some ways they feel with some of the things they think and some of the things that they do. But it's, it's, they're twins. They kind of ride around together. It's ride or die with the. <laughs> It's it's in Lou. Yeah, he woke up, didn't he? He, (laughs) Go sleep. (laughs) Where is it? Oh, yeah, in Luke 15. Um, He says, I'm going to go to my father. And all this is true. Uh, The son did. um, In verse 18. In Luke 15:18, he says, I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Sin always disinherits us. If it's unconfessed, it will lurk around and be a big hindrance to you. Some of the things that we do over and over again. You need to confess them. And you need to ask God for some type of deliverance. Because it's not worth it to keep making stupid mistakes. And trying to you try to minimize them. This is what, what the human mind does without God. Your carnal mind will do this. You try to minimize it. And how important it is. And really you need to confess it. So that God can remove it and you quit dealing with it. Because it's like, it's like sticky putty on your hands or dough. If you're cooking, you know, you put flour on it to try to get it off, roll it off. And it's hard to get off. And you think, well, let's just plunge it in some water. That's the best solution. Confess it, get it washed in the blood, and get it off of you so that you're not laboring with it anymore. Nobody should be laboring with that anymore. My goodness, that's the first thing you learn as a believer. is how to walk in harmony with God. You won't walk in harmony with God. If you're constantly bickering, backbiting, hating people, doing wrong things, and it never goes away. It's supposed to go, to go away. If you believe all you say about the blood of Jesus, it goes away. But your carnal mind will keep you diddling around with it. Because you want to minimize it and the confession is between you and God. I mean how, how sacred and holy can it be if it's just between you and the Lord. You act like everybody on front Street's going to know it. But you know we, we know things about one another because you see strongholds people get hung up in and can't get out of them. Confession is your best friend. The best friend. Well, some people believe it. Some people don't, I guess. I don't know. But it will take care of this. these two riders that ride together. Sin and unworthiness. Because if, if, there's, if, there's unworthy, if there's a thought of lack, you lacking. There's lack anywhere. You don't feel adequate. You don't feel like you deserve. You, and that haunts you and haunts you and haunts you. You need to go to God. And God there's something here. 
You see, there's something here that's keeping me from being fully persuaded. Because every time I step out to want to think you're going to do this for me, this pops up and it hinders me and I stagger back. It pushes me back from you. Unworthiness fosters unbelief. It's a pal to unbelief. It won't let you believe. Won't let you. Sometimes we get ourselves into these mixes because we don't let God have everything. Sometimes you say, God, take this. (laughs) And look what I've done with it. I've messed it up real good for you. Help me out. Do something with this in my mind that keeps me seeking less than what I know your word says. Diminishing what you promise out of your mouth. Telling you you can't do that for me or you won't do that for me. If he's able, he's willing folks. Willingness and ability are the same thing with God. No, the devil wants to come and separate him out. Oh, he's able, but is he willing? They're the same thing. God wouldn't tell you he could if he didn't mean to do it. He would not tell. Why would somebody tell you? What, what's he a dictator or something? Want to feel good about himself this morning? Or I can do this. But I'm not going to do it for you. What kind of father is that? Huh? Think about it. So this worthiness is a question. That only righteousness will settle. When you put off the old person. And really put him off. And he don't come back and tell you. But, but what about this? <laughs> And the old man's always got a but what about. Well, that's his middle name. Oh, I know you you believe God for that, but what about this? But what about, but what about? It's all in what you consider and your reaction to it. You know, I mean, it really, when you think about it, consider things only that encourage your faith. Why would you consider something that put the fire out on you and doused it and all of that but we do anyway you know you can get in one of them poor me moods and let everything pile up on you you know you got to and it's so subtle because the enemy can come in and you can be doing real good and he don't like you doing real good especially if all your ducks aren't in a row and you don't have everything you you need you want he don't like you feeling good about yourself with little you know he, he likes to make you think you need all these things to feel good about yourself. At our humblest is when we feel best about ourselves. You know, when when God, when you first met the Lord and you didn't want anything else but God after you found out there was life on the other side of that confession of your sins. <laughs> it still is. <laughs> so sorry about that am I worthy is the question this is a question that righteousness will settle when we put off the old man and put on the new it's as simple as that it's like getting up and saying you know what I'm going to quit thinking like this (laughs) I'm going to stop this because this is not getting me anywhere that's what putting off the old is Ephesians 4.24 tells you that it's a pretty good description of who who is, uh, or whom who is, or whatever. You know, 
you grammarians take care of that I'm, I'm a preacher <laughs> so he says here in verse 22 that you put off the old put off concerning the former conversation that your talk and your manner of living that backs up what you speak got me the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts this will creep up on you and backfire on you is what that means and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness you want the true holiness not your your ways that you think you can do things and, and you know that's okay with God but we're talking about true holiness wherefore putting away lying speak every man the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and sin not don't let the sun go down so he tells you what not to do he tells you what what kind of behavior will foster the old man grabbing you and standing between you and what God wants to do and what God desires to do so he said just put that away and no you don't need deliverance and you you just need to make a decision to stop it you have the ability to stop it just put it away the old toys don't give place to the devil you know he says if you let the sun go down on your anger you give place to the devil that's amazing how what a habit it is to just carry anger for people you don't want to see them anymore you don't have anything good to say when you get around them you get you know tense all it's there's anger still in there see you have to put that stuff away quit playing with it's an old toy don't play around with it and he says be angry and sin not in other words let that feeling pass through you forgive that person and it keeps passing if you hold on to it and try to justify it this belongs to me because they did this to me and I don't do anything to anybody I'm just as pure as a driven snow and I just you know I mean that's really you don't say that but that's what that attitude conveys you know that you you want to justify uh, a bad emotion a dark emotion I do it all the time, you know. He's well, you don't. You don't know what a situation. You don't know what's. You know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't. It's good to agree with your adversary quickly. You know. Okay, I'm wrong. I'll quit doing that. I'm, you know. I didn't know it sounded like that. I didn't know it was like that. You know. I'll, I'll quit doing it. You know. You need to confess to people you quit doing stuff. You know. Just be honest among everybody. You know, just I didn't mean to do that. You know, it's okay. I'll stop. It's whatever. You know, don't don't be a little, you know, little sensitive thing, little delicate flower. Nothing can bruise me or hurt me. God adorns the most beautiful things that only live for a few days <laughs> and then cut down and cast into the fire you understand what I'm saying so you're not too delicate to to hear the truth and to confess it to God it's worth it get the stuff out the way we want to move on we want to keep going in God we want to do what he put us here to do we haven't seen much of it yet these things hold us back 
So let's get them out of the way. We're the only ones who can do this. So he says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Instead of having a darkened, clouded mind. Get renewed. Get fresh air in there. Get like there's air in your brain. Uh, Freshen up your gray matter. (laughs) Dust it off. Whatever. But to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See. uh, The things that, that stand in the way are the dark thoughts that bring forth dark emotions. All the discouragements of life, all of the misgivings, all of the, you know, I could have, why didn't I, it should have gone this way, and all of that stuff. You put off the old man. Anytime you get into self mode, you're going to run into this darkness. You run into fear, anger, dismay, disappointments. You know, so you. Stay away from self mode. You know, you so oh, how'd I get here, God? I don't know how I got here. You start feeling sorry for yourself and then the disappointment, discouragement, anger and all. And some people go down that road. That's their like constant companion. That's their clothing they wear. And so you if if that's wearable clothing for you, you need to put it way in the back of the closet. You need to clean out the closet, but you know, this just let let it go and let God have it. We pity ourselves sometimes because we cannot do anything else. And we think that that's okay to do. It becomes your little pacifier. You know, I, I should have done this and I should have done that. And, you know, while God has to sit there and wait for you to get tired of doing that before he can help you. Hmm? So we'll do it when we feel like we can't do anything else. But see, Abraham had a different way of doing things. Instead of self-pity because he was old, look at what he had to do. He had to give up his one son. He thought, he, oh, yeah, this is the promise of God for me. He introduced the boy to everybody. They knew he was his son for 12 years. And what happens? He's gone one day. You've got some explaining to do, Abraham. Huh? What happened to your boy? Then he starts calling himself the father of many nations. On top of that. You know, he said, oh, I'm still a father. I've got more children coming. How did he keep in that frame of mind? How did he keep faith righteousness on him all the time? He didn't consider anything but what God promised him. He considered God's ability. He looked at the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky. And he said God is bigger than my dead body. God is bigger than my hurt because I had to let go of my son. God is bigger. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to put my hope in God. I'll dream again. I can rejoice again. I can look forward to things again. I can hope again. I can have faith again. I can do all of these things again because it's not a about me and my limitations it's about God and his ability and the fact that he promised me this he said how will I know God made him know we ever ask God that no we don't we going to pull out our formulas we going to pull out our tapes (laughs) do you understand what I'm saying how will I know this God I want to be sure how will I know this whatever he gives you is something that points to his ability 
and you reflect on that over and over and over again I don't care how tough it gets I don't care how long down the road it is you must reflect on God's ability and the fact that he promised it to you well I don't know if he really promised it I don't remember him talking to me he probably did it you probably read it in the word and the Holy Spirit made it yours he lives in you he grabbed onto that for you when you didn't know how to grab onto it yourself you you ask God for it do you get peace about it did you ever get peace about it yeah I used to look every day for it to come well it's still coming whether you look every day you're looking every day didn't make it happen God's ability is going to make it happen we do our little faith uh, trivia things we do you know our little prophetic things you know <laughs> look in the mailbox every day write the list now it's time now to tear the list up huh Let's get rid of it and let's got, let God have it for real. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to delve into your mind and your understanding of these things. We do want to be like Abraham, fully persuaded. We don't want to be unpersuaded. We want to be fully persuaded. And so, Father, in our full persuasion, we thank you. That it's not our inability that matters. It is your ability that matters. And your righteousness will convince us of that. And we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, 